is a synchronicity, a simultaneous occurrence of seemingly random events which appear significantly related but have no discernible causal connection, or something trying to send you a message, perhaps give you a sign. We like to call them red string moments. They form a web around our lives, linking apparently unrelated events, objects, people and more together in unexpected ways. Since we started looking into the world of paranormal high strangeness in earnest, we've seen them, and they play an unknown but seemingly significant role in our adventures. And after that suitably grandiose introduction, <laughs> um, welcome to Synchronicities, episode one. Episode one. So well, Technically episode four, but we don't talk about <laughs> that. But we don't talk about that. Um, yes, so we're going to have some introductions because people listen to this Probably will have no idea who we are. So, uh, Amy, should we start with you? Because I can see you already have your notes in front of you. I'm already ready with my homework. Yes. <laughs> so, I'm Amy. I'm obsessed with all things paranormal. I have diplomas in parapsychology and demonology. I'm also interested in true crime and psychology. So, an ideal case for me to get stuck into would involve all three. My first paranormal experience was when I was about three years old and would talk to the lady in the corner of my room, which my mum still mentions. <laughs> yes, she does. Childhood psychosis there. <laughs> yeah, I might just be crazy, but it's hard to tell. <laughs> All right, go clockwise. Clockwise, okay. Yeah. Right, That's the way it's normally done. <laughs> I don't have any pre-written intro notes, but my name's Reggie. Uh, I have been fascinated with what we've come to call high strangeness since I was a kid. Although I am the sceptic of the group, mm. I really, really want to find some evidence. So I'm here with these two looking <laughs> into this weird and wonderful world of high strangeness in earnest in, in the hope that one day I will see something to truly make me a full-time hardcore believer. Make, make you a believer. Yeah. You can put your tinfoil hat on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, my name is Rooney. Uh, I'm old enough to know better. I've been interested in the paranormal since I was, like, tiny. Uh, I used to have a folder with the X-Files daubed on it where I kept interesting newspaper clippings and, and stuff. That's so cute. <laughs> uh, I've got diplomas in paranormal research and cryptozoology. Oh, sorry, I've got a diploma in scepticism. <laughs> scepticism and awkward questions. I'll make you a stiff <laughs> um, uh, I've tried several times to start or join like paranormal groups with varying levels of success. Uh, I know way too much about what we're now terming as high strangeness type stuff <laughs> and will happily talk your ear off if you get me going on it. 
Uh, I occasionally dabble in some occultism and witchcraft, and I'm just generally the weird chap in almost every social group. Well, there we go. We didn't know that you was aware of that. Oh, I'm very much okay. aware of oh, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, nice. I have enough self-awareness to, to be that I am the odd one in the group. He's been, he's been playing it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the weird witchy goth guy in, in any social situation. So how did this podcast come about? Um, because we do another podcast. We do indeed. Which uh, kept veering into high strangeness territory. Um, I realised midway for our current run that I needed to find more topics <laughs> that, that you were interested in. So I fell down the high strangeness rabbit hole. Um, and one particular episode, I just watched Helia mm. again for like the fourth time. Shout out Helia. Shout, shout out, out De- uh, Greg and Dana. Shout out Greg and Dana. <laughs> um, and so I put together this intro based on high strangeness and a lot of stuff that's covered in Helia. 19 minutes into that two-hour episode, we realised we hadn't actually got to the main part of the episode. <laughs> We'd just been talking high strangeness. So we continued on that episode and just wrapped it up as one whole episode about high strangeness. We named it Synchronicities because that's a term that we all learned from earlier. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and uh, after that, we went on to do two more episodes, on the third of which... We invited Amy to come and join us because she loves this shit just yeah, as much as I we do. I basically was like, please, can I do it with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, a brand new standalone podcast was born. It was born, where we get to, we don't have to worry about discussing other stuff. We can literally just talk about weird shit to our heart's content. We also sort of fell into it a little bit as well when we went exploring a few times. We've always had yeah. ghost hunting ex- like equipment. And we started to kind of combine the exploring yeah. and that. And then we was like, well, we can do videos as yeah, well. Hey, this place and... looks interesting. Let's go there. And then I would put, like, my EMF meter and torches yeah. and tape recorders Start in the bag. Stuff. <laughs> and then it, it's all kind of fallen together as one big yeah. kind of project. project. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like you could say that these were synchronicities that drew us into making a podcast you called Synchronicities. <laughs> There's, there's a lot of disparate forces and factors at play here that have all combined to result in this. It was meant this, to be. It was meant to be. The ritual known as synchronicities starts here. Starts here. Yeah, we are casting our circle. <laughs> uh, I should mention uh, that right now it is 30-something degrees here in the UK. Yeah. Um, the studio we are in is very small, un-air-conditioned, uh, and our neighbours seem to be having a pool party outside. So, yeah. uh, and I didn't feel like I could put off a skimpy dress like Amy. So, I no, yeah, <laughs> Amy, Amy used her big brain here yeah. and uh, I literally came down and was like, "It's so hot, I'm wearing a dress today." Yeah, the dress is on. Yeah, we, we, so uh, <laughs> yeah, if, if you hear a thud, it's probably one of us passing out, and if you hear the splashing, it's not actually us sweating; it's just the neighbours <laughs> or a ghost or anything, or a ghost it, or anything it, creepy it could like that. Be anything. No, not here. It's literally just it's gonna be the neighbours or the dog trying to eat Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are we discussing for our inaugural episode? Well, amongst all the other things that you do, you've written you are currently sorry writing a book about high strangeness. Yeah, effectively, yes. A chapter of which is on black shock. So, where better to start <laughs> than something I know loads about? Exactly. Yeah. 
because you like setting me off on podcasts and just letting me ramble on. Yep. <laughs> I learned very early on a Marvel podcast. Just throw out <laughs> questions and then just sit back and let the man do his and, work. And let me just yeah. get on with it. Okay, well, um, yeah, Black Shark. Black Dogs in general, and Black Shark in particular, is something I know an awful lot about, primarily due to the research for the book that you mentioned. Um, and I've kind of pondered my chapter on Black Shark for, for content for this. So I've got a whole bunch of information. I'm not I'm not entirely sure how much you guys know about I've got Okay, you, you have half page. Um, okay. I'm, I'm one of it, it yeah. It's, it's not Reggie enough. doesn't even have notes. I, so. I, well, <laughs> I started my the fir- the first bit that I wrote was uh that it's sometimes recorded as an omen of death and then I was like all we need to know. So all we need to know. There we go. So moving on. So done. <laughs> I am. Um, what do I call it when somebody sends you something to read to, to check it makes sense and that everything's proofreading? Yeah, I proof I proofread your chapter. About, you did about two years ago, and now that's all I know. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, Again, I thought the professor of all things uh, parapsychological would <laughs> elucidate me. I can. I, yeah, I can. I can certainly ramble about shock. Um, so he's kind of like the, as far as we're concerned in the UK, Shuck is, is the OG black dog. The black dog phenomena is not unique to the UK by any means. It's more prevalent in the British Isles than in most other places of the world, with the possible exception of, of uh, Germany and that general area of Europe. Um, well, sort of northern Europe. Um, he's described as a huge black hound. Normally, one we're focusing on, obviously, is Black Shark himself, uh, because he's a local boy. Um, as you'll see when I when I get into the details of where he normally... <laughs> his, his regular haunts. Uh, but he's described as, like, a huge black hound. Uh, the details vary a little bit, size and things like that, but he's almost always a big, black, shaggy dog-type creature, ranging somewhere from, like, the, the size of just a big dog up to a horse in some instances, uh, like... Big glowy eyes, big teeth, a um, whole bunch of other stuff, but I'll get into it in a minute. Uh, it's normally seen across East Anglia, which covers, uh, for those of you not familiar, uh, Cambridgeshire, Suffolk and Essex in general. And obviously, we're based down in Essex, so we're sort of at the southern end of his of his haunts. Um, usually spotted on highways, uh, around graveyards, along coastlines, and uh, occasionally lurking in forests particularly does like coastal roads and stuff. One of the reasons I keep taking this out on family drives <laughs> along coastlines. <laughs> uh, the earliest report of Black Shuck dates back to 1127, which at this point in time is... Do, do the maths, Reggie. How how many years ago is 1127? Uh, oh, uh, 800 and... Um, 896... I'll take your word for that. Probably. Long time ago. Yeah. Um, 12th century. Yeah. Yeah, basically. 12th, 12th century, the earliest uh, reports, although there are oral legends, traditions, and stories that you know used to date back further than that. But obviously, this is the sort of time where people started writing that sort of thing down. Yeah. Um, and it gradually, that's how it comes it survived. There was through. like newspaper articles as well. Yeah. Like little cute ones. Yeah. So in 1805, we see the first mention in print of the name Shuck in relation to Black Dog. Uh, the Reverend E.S. Taylor wrote in the Norfolk Chronicle, uh, which also published as the North- Norwich Gazette, on the 1st of June 1805, 
Shuck the Dog Fiend. This phantom I have heard many persons in East Norfolk and even Cambridgeshire describe as having seen a black shaggy dog with fiery eyes and of immense size and who visits churchyards at midnight. Okay. So this was like uh, the first newspaper article basically featuring Shuck himself. Um, he's possibly related to similar black dogs. I mentioned that black dogs are not like a UK specific thing. Uh, similar black dogs from around the world. You've got the Barguest up in York, Shriker uh, in Yorkshire and Lancashire, Yeth Hound down in Devon, uh, and you've got like Odin's Hounds over in Northern Europe uh, because that's one of the possible explanations for where he comes from is that he came over with the with the invaders way back when in prehistory and they brought their beliefs and, and demigods and all that sort of stuff with and them. And their dog. And their dog, apparently. <laughs> uh, no to frequent crossroads, places of execution, graveyards and ancient roads, which is why often he can be seen running in verges or across fields, seemingly following a path that yeah. isn't there anymore. So I said earlier, the, the details of the descriptions vary. Yeah. So it's always a large black dog. Uh, the size changes. Um, he's been you know, from like a German Shepherd size to a horse, like a bear size sort of thing. You know, varies. Um, shaggy fur, big eyes, either normally either yellow or red. Uh, between one and three eyes, which makes him even creepier. Because I mean, that a big glowy eyed dog. My my toxic trait is I would I would try and pet it. Oh, I, I would. Try <laughs> I would bring, want to play with it, but I would try and bring it home. If it's got three eyes, probably maybe not. not so much because that's kind of creepy. Yeah. I think even Black Shark would lose in a fight to Lando. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, sometimes reported to be headless. Or with no visible head, but still with glowing eyes. Okay, so, so just like just disembodied eyes glowing above its neck. Okay. Yeah, it gets that, you start yeah. delving the, the into it. You... It's like, oh, it's a big fluffy dog. Oh, oh yeah. The no, more no. you go into it, the more you're like, I don't like this. The, the creepier, the less pleasant it gets. Uh, it has it's said to have a fiery hot breath that smells of brimstone? So do you. Rude. <laughs> um, can be silent at will. So, you know, he's got this big dog. We've all heard dogs running along. The best of intentions, they're not quite animals. Uh, you're looking at a bear-sized dog making absolutely no sound unless it wants to be heard. Uh, his paws leave no prints on soft ground, only on stone. Then isn't it meant to like, burn on river green? No. That's, that's, that is a related story, oh, okay. which I have the details of here. That's a very famous <laughs> one. Um but yeah, can apparently, apparently doesn't leave footprints on mud or dirt or anything, only on like stone slabs and bricks and stuff like that. Um, now, Black Shuck, one of the rumours obviously said about him uh, is that he came over from Northern Europe with the with the well the, the Danes and the Vikings because obviously him being a hound of Odin. Um, there's also a belief that he may be part of a pack of dark hounds following the Wild Hunt, which is uh, a fixture in European folklore. Uh, the story goes that the wild hunt is comprised of supernatural hunters riding horses or other mounts, sometimes like stags, like um, you may have heard the name Hearn the Hunter. He's from uh, English folklore. No. No, he's no. supposed to be like the, the god of the hunt, effectively. Right. And in some reports, he rides a huge stag okay. rather than like a horse. Which, again, he's tangentially linked <laughs> to the wild hunt, as in he may be part of it. Again, moved over to, to mainland England for 
whatever reasons these crazy high strangeness creatures do anything. Um, so they, they're riding in uh, wild pursuit as if they were an otherworldly hunting party tracking some unknown quarry. Uh, who these riders are varies on where the law comes from because they all have, like, like I said, yeah. we have uh, Herne Hunter, uh, but they all have their own sort of spin on it depending on the local folklore, the local prevalent religions. Uh, and they can be anyone from Lost Souls to Odin leading a, a hunt for shits and giggles, biblical figures, uh, and post-Christian domination, uh, the devil himself, because anything else they didn't understand was definitely the devil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in general, the superstition holds that the arrival of the hunt presages some great calamity. There have been numerous reports in throughout European history of you know people spotting the wild hunt or hearing them most most often uh and then shortly after there's some big battle or a famine or some huge thing that is generally bad for the poor people okay so like they say the mothman appears right before a tragedy yes because he appeared in point pleasant and then next thing you know that bridge the bridge fell down yeah this is almost the same like you'll see this mystical hunting party and then you'll get the Black Death or the Great Fire of London or some yeah, some, some yeah. big disaster was, will there happen. There's a lot of stories of um like massive like storms and things like that. Yeah. I saw him on the night of storms where there was a lot of destruction and yeah. that sort of thing as well. Basically bad stuff gonna happen. You you'll you'll hear you'll well it's slightly divergent. The wild the wild hunt will be seen or heard by people in the area. Um that I, there were specific details that I, I left out of this because I didn't think they were particularly relevant. We could probably go into the wild hunt on another episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, because that's the first time I've ever heard yeah, of it. Yeah, that sounds it's really interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. This, took, this took me off because I was I was very focused initially on my research on Black Shark in the local area. And, you know, I was like, this is brilliant because this is just up the, just like north of us by a few miles. It's brilliant. Awesome. And then people start delving into, you know, explanations of where it comes from. Is that outdoor? Where was I? Um, yeah, so in in earlier post-Christian uh, reports, he's strongly associated with the devil, obviously pre-Christianity. Um, it was the wild hunt and, and Odin and all that sort of stuff. Post-Christianity, as with both things, they stole it, incorporated it into their yeah. religion, and he twisted. became an incarnation of the devil. So we mentioned earlier the earliest mention of him was 1127. <laughs> Um, so the, that's the earliest confirmed mention mm. of Black Shuck, um, though he wasn't called by that name at the time. Uh, it was at Peterborough Cathedral. Now, the incident was recorded in the Peterborough Chronicle, which itself is a part of the collection of old English annals called the Anglo-Saxon Chronicles, which recorded the history of the Anglo-Saxons from the late 9th century to sometime in the 12th century. Um and is very difficult to read. I've got hold of sections of it, and it's quite difficult to read because it's written in Old English. Yeah, I've yeah. heard about it. In yeah, many, many different like historical documentaries and stuff. A lot of a lot of information about that era in that era in that sort of area pulled, is pulled from that because it was quite thorough in its recording of stuff. Um, now I have a quote here. I have a segment here from it, um, which uh, I have. Quite nicely, I think, translated from Old English. <laughs> so no one has to listen to me trying to, to do that. Um, 
Let no one be surprised at the truth of what we are about to relate, for it was common knowledge throughout the whole country that immediately after Abbot Henry of Pitou's arrival at Peterborough Abbey, uh, it was the Sunday when they, sung, when they sing Exerge Quare. Many men both saw and heard a great number of huntsmen hunting. The huntsmen were black, huge and hideous, and rode on black horses and on black he-goats, and their hounds were jet black, with eyes like saucers and horrible. This was seen in the very deer park of the town of Peterborough, and in all the woods that stretched from that same town to Lincolnshire, Stamford. And in the night the monks heard them sounding and winding their horns. Reliable witnesses who kept watching the night declared that there might well have been as many as twenty or thirty of them winding their horns as near they could tell. This was seen and heard from the time of his arrival all through Lent and right up to Easter. So effectively you've got some big important uh, religious bigwig turns up at the abbey and the wild hunt appears, black hounds and, and all. Um, now the case you were alluding to earlier with the, the burn yeah. marks uh, was in Bungay, which that? that's uh, somewhere between here and Norwich. Yeah, that's oh, where, okay. I remember this part. This, that's where the main <laughs> black shark um, signs have been. That's where there's a church, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, the town's football uh, football team is called the Bl- Bungay Black Dogs. Yeah. And the Black Dog of Bungay is, it's a whole thing. You yeah. go there and they have like um, souvenir shops, gift shops selling. We need to go there. We do need to go there. We were going to go, we were going to stop there uh, last year when we were driving back from Norwich, but I was tired and it was a long yeah. drive and I couldn't be bothered to like <laughs> that. At some point we'll take the audio record on all three of us. We'll, go yeah. we'll just go up there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this was in 1577. So again, going back a long way. Um, and this is the most famous and the first confirmed sighting as uh, uh, of Shuck as Black Shuck uh, in the churches of Bungay and Blythburg in Suffolk. They occurred on the 4th of August, 1577, and were accompanied by death and destruction. What kind of death and destruction, Professor? <laughs> what kind of death and destruction? Well, the incident at St Mary's Church in Bungay is captured here in an account by Abraham Fleming, a translator and editor in London, and later an ordained clergyman. Again, this has been translated from, uh, <laughs> from like, Middle English. Uh, a strange and terrible wonder wrought very late in the parish church of Bungay, a town of no great distance from the city of Norwich, namely the 4th of this August in the year of our Lord, 1577. In a great tempest of violent rain, lightning and thunder, the like whereof hath been seldom seen, with the appearance of an horrible shaped thing, sensibly perceived by the people then and there assembled, drawn into a plain method according to the written copy by Abraham Fleming. This black dog, or the devil in such a likeness, God he knoweth all who worketh all, running all down the body of the church with great swiftness and incredible haste, among the people in a visible form and shape, passed between two persons as they were kneeling upon their knees, and occupied in prayer as it seemed, wrung the necks of them both at one instant, leaned backwards, in so much that even at a moment they were, where they kneeled, they strangely died. So, basically, there was a storm going on, a bunch of people were in church, uh, Shuck bursts into the church, runs around the place, gets the, uh, the zoomies, gets the zoomies, the zoomies yeah. runs up to two guys who are kneeling down praying, and in an instant, strangles them and throws them back, okay. which is a little bit extreme. Yeah. Um, at the, on the same day, at the Holy Trinity Church in Blytheburg, 
or blip blipper. The pronunciation of that varies, and I don't have the right accent to say it. Yeah, it's, it's a, a tricky... It's a nar- narge accent, yeah. and I'm not going to do that because it just sounds like I'm taking the mic. Yeah. Unlike our other podcasts, we're going to try and offend nobody. We're, we're yeah, trying so. very hard not to offend <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the report of that one, into the parish church of Blybury, the church, the thing entered, placing himself on a beam whereon he suddenly gave a swing through the church and slew two men and a lad and burned the hand of another person among the rest of the company, of whom diverse were blasted. Um, so, yeah, effectively, he comes bounding into the church again while this storm is going on, leaps up into the rafters, comes down, kills two guys and, and a, a young lad, burns somebody else's hand, and then seemingly busts back out into, into the storm. He was having a bad day. Now... Playing devil's advocate, <laughs> these accounts see, do seem pretty conclusive, and, and the more you dig into them, there are, there's there's more there's ad you know stuff that adds to other reports yeah. and, and stuff that's been recorded about these. Um, it is worth noting some fairly important factors on the on their reporting. Firstly, that Abraham Fleming was based in London. There's no mention of him being present or even close to the place where these events took place when they actually happened. This means most likely his accounts of them that he's written so, you know, so confirmed so surely were likely second or third hand reports of what happened. So you've got a game of Chinese whispers going on here. Um, Secondly, he was a very pious man who at the time was working towards joining the clergy. Uh, In 1588, he took holy orders and was finally ordained as a member of the clergy. Okay. And thus would likely put a biblical spin on yeah. anything that had happened. Yeah. Uh, to strike hot fear into the hearts of the, the faithful. And he would exaggerate and embellish yeah. the fury of the storm, which uh, is most likely the, uh, the, the cause of the church steeples collapsed and is mentioned in other contemporary reports. Because allegedly... One of the things that Shuck presaged in this particular instance was the steeple being struck by lightning and partially collapsing. But, okay. of course, we're in 2023 yeah. and that happens in big storms, yeah. especially if it's not being maintained. Um, so the reports should be taken with a pinch of salt, although probably not discounted entirely because clearly something happened yeah. to very specific things miles apart on the same day in the same storm Yeah, at basically the same time. Yeah. It does sound like there is some some truth to it. There's a, Obviously, there's a, like you say, things get embellished, especially if he had a reason to embellish yes. it. And as well, it's not like it is now where you'd have people taking out their phones and yeah, and this, this was all. This would have been the it local was, the local folk. Yeah, not many people would have been able to get that story across accurately. Yeah, as far as we know, these things happen miles apart, but the people in each situation didn't know each other. Yeah. They weren't in cahoots. They weren't in cahoots, no. The, so the towns were a fair distance apart. So it was two stories come up with two separate groups of people that both kind of have a lot of coincidence. But, yeah, it could yeah, in theory be very, the same being or, you know, or two on the same instances sort of, of the same thing yeah. happening, doing very similar things in for similar the, places. Yeah. If they're two different dogs, they probably would have done it for the same reason or been caused by the same yeah. thing. But, yeah, they that wouldn't have to, been able to... Pre-planet or anything no, like that. No, no, they couldn't start up a WhatsApp group. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's get a dog. <laughs> We're going to get this big dog, right? And oh. he's going to kill these blokes. How's he going to kill them? Details, yeah, details. I mean, it would be less believable if somebody from one of them went to the other town mm. and was just like in the pub. 
It's yeah. just like, you can, won't believe what happened over here. You won't believe what happened last week. And yeah, so I exactly. was like, oh, that sounds like a good way to cover up this thing that I've done. Let's just go and tell this, retell this yeah. story. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's two separate groups of people, more or less happening the same storm at the same time. At the same time. And then these both these stories have made their way to a third person that's recorded them. Recorded them and, and disseminated them further afield. What do we yeah. always say on our other podcast? Depending on the the veracity of the person reporting it yeah gives a lot of um can give credence to something that otherwise you would dismiss yeah. in this instance the situation gives credence to yeah. it yeah the re- the person reporting it detracts from it slightly because of what else is known i mean if you just take those at face value they're just like well this happened these big dogs came into a church attacked a bunch of people and then made a bit of one of them fall down um and then you're kind of like, ah, right, okay, this was written by someone who was trying to join the church at the time and yeah. later did. So he's likely to have, yeah. you know, put a little bit of uh, spin on it to make yeah. it more... Biblicised it, if that is even a word. Biblicised it. If it's not, it should be. <laughs> yeah. He biblicised it. Um, the normally, future of synchronicities. <laughs> biblicised is an official word. There's loads and loads of reports of, of Black Shark. Yeah. Like out roaming the highways and byways of East Anglia. Um, and usually the people come away from it absolutely terrified. There's a, there's, a, there's a folk belief that he is an indicator that someone is going to die. He's, yeah. He's a, it's like a, what do they call it? Like he's foreshadowing a death. Like a premonition. Yeah. He's like a, yeah. Yeah, that's the word. It's an, he's an omen of death. Um, not all of the stories are like that. There are, there are some where particularly uh, women out travelling after dark sort of thing out on the moors or along the coastline um, have reported that Shuck has escorted them almost yeah. from one place to the next. Um, a lot of other people, you know, as they do, you know, you see this bad thing, especially if you're of a superstitious leaning. It's like, I saw this, this, I saw this spectral dog. Oh, and then your chickens died. Yeah, exactly. The two must yeah. be linked. Yeah. But it, there's a folkloric belief that he is an omen of death and he heralds this death or disaster for the person or persons close to a bit like the, the uh, Irish folklore of uh, hearing uh, what's it called? Banshee. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. You hear Banshee shriek, you're going to die or someone close to you is going to die. Again, that's another global thing that, that takes lots of different forms that, you, Oh, if you see or hear this thing, you're going to die or someone close to you is going to die. Uh, um, there's an interesting offshoot like tangent from this. Do you know the name Jack Cade? No, no neither did I. No. <laughs> Jack Cade led a rebellion of armed men from the Kent area right. and marched on London in 1450 okay. uh, in an attempt to remove the corruption surrounding King Henry VI. He was surrounded by corrupt politicians and advisors and liars, sycophants. So That's all royalty, huh? Westminster, mm-hmm. basically. Um, Cade's rebellion ultimately failed. And although pardons were granted to his basically the entire rebellious army, the king later issued a writ and a proclamation for the taking of Cade. Uh, it basically wanted to make an example of him. In it, Cade was said to have, and I quote, reared up the devil in the semblance of a black dog. So, That's a devil. Uh, devil. Devil. Yeah, okay, it's one so... of the 
This this one, for some reason, I didn't translate. <laughs> but basically, he reared up, he raised up the devil in the shape, shape of a black, black dog, dog. Okay. Uh, at Dartford in Kent. Maybe that's where we get the dart charge from. Oh, that makes sense. For the Dartford yeah. crossing. Um, although this is generally dismissed out of hand by most people um, because it was likely a blatant falsehood yeah. being used. To, there's, there's no evidence, historical evidence, that Cade had any connection to any occult stuff at all. Um and it was just basically the king drumming up things to get him bumped off in case he got any ideas about getting rid of any more well, yeah. uh, it's corrupt like, politicians. It's like the whole like witches and all that lot when they would be like, uh, that person says no bad about they're a witch. They're definitely or, they're like, absolutely this a witch. Don't say bad, so they're, they're to do the devil. It's yeah, fourteen fifteen witchcraft yeah. was still very much uh, alive and well in the minds of uh, yeah. of the common folk. You mentioned earlier that black shark comes. Uh, has been seen in all different sizes, right? Mm. Could Black Shark be confused with the big cat phenomena? The Beast of Bodmin. Like, not just the Beast of Bodmin, but there's yeah, plenty In of the 80s different... in the UK, every fucking, every new, every newspaper rag was car- carrying stories about giant cats yeah. seen abroad yeah. on, on the fields and hills. <coughs> Could <coughs> Black Shark be confused with some of them? I Quite suppose possibly, like... Yeah. Yeah, Both that would make sense. Could cross over in some way. Well, like, like, because you've said it could be the size of a horse, it could be the size of a big cat. It's got these eyes, like cat eyes. Yeah, and big glowy cat eyes. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying in every every um, witness account, but mm. in some of them, do you think they may have seen a big cat? Yeah. And But because they'd already knew about Black Shark or because their eyes deceived them. In could the have been, yeah. Yeah. It could also have been the other way around. Yeah. yeah. The it's like the big sightings of these the big cats, cats were in fact a, a shock yeah. sighting. It's like it's the same sort of adjacent. thing with like the beast of Bodmin and other sort of black cats because there's a whole the thing, whole around, thing that. around that, yeah. And that, that's meant to be the, between the size of a cat and a panther, yeah. And it changes, it changes. So it, it and the, all the, the stories you or the pictures you see, or some of the stories, it's like, oh, I saw it from far, yeah. So they're not really close enough because if you see something from afar you can kind of roughly gauge yeah how big it is but it's not always right especially like, on what a, else is around you a forest, perspective or like a highway yeah. or like it's different. if it's standing next to a car you'd be able to go oh, okay so it's this sort of size but if you're in the the woods or you're you're in the middle of nowhere or next to a church or whatever it's really hard to kind of gauge yeah exactly how big yeah it unless is. you've got something nearby that you already have an idea of the yeah. size of this, I mean, we, we found it when we were going to, going to places and you see something lurking up ahead through the trees. And yeah. you're like, oh. And you kind of unintentionally assume the, the size of it in your head. And then when you get closer, you're like, oh, I wasn't even fucking close. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Interestingly, uh, the uh, cold Christmas church tower, one of, the, one of the stories about that, one of the folkloric stories about that is that there's some kind of big beast yeah. that yeah. used to make its lair in there. Remember when we went there and there was all the hay in that? The, yeah, the, the, the stone stairwell had been filled with, with, hay, with hay and grass. Which, which actually like a, scared me more than the, 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 the ghosts or demons <laughs> we're or more, We were more worried about this big-ass like, tiger coming down yeah, the stairs. this thing could actually potentially do us a lot of harm very quickly. Mm. But there wasn't anything there, but it did look like something had been nesting there, and you, it would have been big. You mentioned Midnight a couple of times when you were talking about Black Shark. Do you think Midnight holds any significance, or do you think it was more just a coincidence that a lot of the times he was seen around Midnight? I don't think it holds any particular significance to him. As a 
as a spectral being or whatever whatever he is because no one can decide whether he's some kind of cryptid a ghost a demon or or a different breed of dog yeah no one no one knows as far referred to him as just a, a being because no one knows exactly what he is uh, midnight has obviously a lot of connections and connotations to people for you know, the witching hour and, yeah. and all that sort of thing. Even though the witching hour is at three. But yeah, but it's like in, in horror movies, how many times have you seen the clock go on the to The clock 12? goes to midnight and that's when and stuff happens. Yeah. It's, it's a Hollywood trope, isn't it? But okay. there, there does seem to be some links with There's, certain well, it's, actual it's, stories. It's, and... because it's supposed to be a, a time of, of power in certain occult and witchcraft practices because it's a, a time of death and rebirth because it's the death uh, of the day of one day yeah. and the birth of the next. So stuff happening on the stroke of midnight is supposed to be, you know, very important and, and have that symbol, that symbolic, uh, like power imbued into it. So yeah. it, yeah, it could be, I, I don't, I don't know of any like correlation between midnight and shark. I think okay. it's just timing. Why do you think it's common in East Anglia and not the rest of the UK? Like bearing in mind, if we're going as far back as Odin's dog, mm. the Vikings, Yes, they they landed all across the east side of this country because it was easier, but the majority of them were up north. Yes. But we don't have many stories of Odin's dog from up north. They're all kind of more yeah. down south. They, they kind of do. I mentioned the, the, the Barghest and Shriker and stuff like that. They are effectively named, different names for the same creature. Right. And they, but they come from further up north. They come from further up north. They're, they've got them down in Cornwall and Devon. Um Isle of Man has its own one. I, Wales has its own yeah. one. They all there's, there's the, stories of like demon dogs just in random places all over the world. Yeah, it's it's a global but thing. We have more of them in the UK specific, yeah. than than anywhere else. And Black Shuck seems to be more prolific than a lot of the others. And he's he's the poster boy. There's a forest right. that he's meant to actually live, isn't there? I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember the name of the forest, but, but yeah, there's there's there one is meant to be a forest where that, again. That he's, he lives. That's that's his stomping ground, sort of yeah. thing, his lair. Okay, finally. During your quote, you mentioned how everyone, including the dogs, were black. Is this demon related? So you were talking about the uh Oh the, the, the wild hunt. And you talked about how there were big black horses, big yeah. black men, black dogs. Do you think they were described as black because they came across as black or because that's got a demon connotation to it. Oh, it's definitely demon connotations. Yeah. This was this was written in a very religious time, you know. And and anything like that immediately had to have some kind of like we said earlier, yeah. some biblical spin put on it. Um and big black things rearing up. Yeah. That was that was demons. basically that was demons, that was the devil. It was it was all the devil's work. Um, yeah. Well it's like white has always been associated with like pure and yeah, white All and that. gold are very angelic. And black and red black, yeah. are at the other end of the of the biblical spectrum, and they're yeah. the they're the bad guys. Yeah. So, do you believe that what they actually saw were huge black figures on huge black horses with huge black dogs, or do you think that it's possible it was just shadows, or it was? Yeah, I was going to say yeah. it could be like, or it could be like shadow figure. Shadow, yeah, that's what that's how I interpret yeah. it. Is that these are these are effectively shadow figures that these people are seeing, yeah, and they they interpret it as, as them being black creatures because of that. Yeah. Whereas now you hear a lot of stories of like the shadow man and yeah, sh- shadow, shadow figures. And shadow people are now a well known, so it could, it high strange like phenomena. So, but obviously back then, 
we didn't have Wikipedias and, and podcasts and YouTube to... <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, is like now you can kind of go, oh, I saw this thing, look it up. Oh, there's a name for it. Whereas it back then post it would on just be your own description in a way, wouldn't it? Yeah, you'd, if you'd you'd back go, then oh, if you saw black... something yeah. and you would say, oh, well, this, this is what it was and this is how it and was. And then that gets spread. Yeah, whereas now people will tend to say, hey, that I saw like this, a... what is it? And then other people will go, ah, well... People like me. Yeah. <laughs> ah, this sounds like it could be da da da, or it could be da da da. So, you know, what? And then We've you find out more details. Yeah, you've got more references, and, and people can communicate easier than you know. You're not just stuck to talking to the same, same fifty farmer. or hundred people that lived in your village yeah. or around your farm, sort of thing. So, yeah, it makes it it can't, in a way it makes it easier to identify these things, but then it, obviously it's also harder to verify them. Yeah. Because anyone can post anything on the internet claiming to be from anywhere. Yeah. Or anyone. It's like you've kind of always... I think that's the thing. It's like I believe a lot in the paranormal, but I will always read every article, look at every picture with a And with then go like and find skeptic. some other articles yeah, that aren't based I'm on the same source. I'm skeptical, but more because of I don't trust the person that's telling yeah. the story. If but I... There's a lot of... Like with this, there's too many stories. Like, why would someone just come up with a random story... And why would other people just come up with random stories? Yeah. Like there, there has to be... Telling the same in thing. In my opinion, there we, has to be some truth We've said this in discussions it. before, that there has to be... There are too many things from too many very separate, disparate yeah. sources. It's like we've... Reporting more or less the same thing for yeah. it to have just been made up. There has to be some there's kind of... Some, there's a kernel there. of truth in there somewhere. Yeah. And if I could see or capture proof of one paranormal entity in the world, it would be Shark. Because yeah. he is best boy, and he is my favourite. He's, he's a good dog. Even, even when he's like ripping people's heads off, even when he's allegedly ripping he's people's heads boy. off, he's still the goodest of boys. <laughs> well, do you know what has fascinated me since I was a child? Roswell. Roswell? Roswell. <laughs> I was going to say, I know what the second subject is. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to like segue like a semi-professional. I like you know? it. I'm, I'm trying to like. <laughs> right, it's my turn. I've got notes. I like it. Yeah. I I don't know a lot about Roswell. I used to, I know I, of it. Yeah, I remember when I was younger being really, really obsessed with it. And then they brought out the TV series. TV series as well. Ghastly. Which I liked I liked it because I was young. Because you were and it was, it was I, aimed I, at, I, yeah. at young at teenagers. Yeah. And because of that I then sort of looked back into it again. But since then I've not really done a lot of research into it. Yes, until the, now. T- the TV show. Yeah, don't Roswell. bother. No. It was good. Um the Roswell incident. The July 1947 recovery of metallic and rubber debris from a military balloon by Roswell Army Airfield personnel who issued a press release announcing possession of a flying disc. Decades later, conspiracy theories claimed that debris from an alien spaceship had been covered up by the government. In response, in 1994, the United States Air Force published a report concluding the crashed object was a top-secret nuclear test surveillance balloon from Project Mogul. The Roswell incident took place during the flying disc craze of 1947, sparked by widespread media coverage of pilot Kenneth Arnold's alleged sighting. Amid hundreds of reports nationwide, on July 8, 1947, Roswell Army Airfield's press release was broadcast via wire transmission. The army quickly retracted the release, falsely stating the crashed object was merely a conventional weather balloon. The incident was forgotten until 1978, when retired Lieutenant Colonel Jesse Marcel was interviewed 
<coughs> interviewed by ufologist Stanton Friedman. In that interview, Marcel revealed that weather balloon had been a cover story to divert public attention. Based on this, Marcel speculated that the debris might have been extraterrestrial in origin. Jesse Marcel's interview led to complex conspiracy theories about alien spacecraft recovery and military cover-ups by ufologists. In 1979, over three decades after Roswell, conspiracy theorists began to claim that extraterrestrial occupants had been recovered by the military at Roswell. In response to claims of alien occupants, a second USAF report in 1997 reviewed testimonies about aliens and found them to be baseless, made up or inspired by parachute dummies. <laughs> Conspiracy theories about the event persist despite explanations linking the incident to Project Mogul, a military balloon, or having been described as the world's most famous, most exhaustively investigated and most thoroughly debunked UFO claim. Its myth has become a cultural phenomenon and the Roswell incident continues to be of interest in popular media. Trials of the incident are a prominent and enduring trope in popular culture and mass media commonly associated with grey aliens and flying saucers. The city of Roswell, New Mexico has embraced this cultural iconography featuring a little green man on its sill and hosting numerous ufology attractions and events. Now there are three theories as to what actually happened at Roswell. Mm. We're going to go through each one and we're going to kind of talk at the end about what we believe in. What we believe. Theory one, it really was a weather balloon. Generations after the Roswell incident, the US military decided to tackle the ongoing controversy that surrounded the weather balloon story. In 1994, they published a report which said that, yes, the story was indeed a cover-up of sorts. (laughs) According to this report, the wreckage was likely that of a weather balloon tricked out with special microphones for eavesdropping and Soviet nuclear tests. As this was part of a top-secret Cold War experiment known as Project Mogul, the military had been unable to divulge the whole truth and had no choice but to claim it was a common or garden weather balloon. A follow-up report in 1997 fleshed out this explanation, dismissing allegations of alien bodies by suggesting that civilians conflated the Roswell incident with other military tests involving crash test dummies. These revelations firmly vindicated the sceptics who regarded the Roswell incident as a relatively mundane episode in the history of the Cold War. However, as military figures themselves well knew, the reports would also be regarded by many as disinformation. This won't lay it to rest, said retired Project Mogul bigwig Colonel Albert C. Tarkovsky. <laughs> bigwig. Yeah. <laughs> the psychology is simple. People believe what they want to believe. In New Mexico, flying sorcerism has become a minor industry. There are whole museums dedicated to the presentation of outright, outrageous fictions. Theory two, it was a crashed alien spacecraft. There are multiple reasons why so many people firmly believe that alien activity was covered up at Roswell. Ufologists generally point to the glaring red flag that was the original military press release, categorically confirming the existence of a flying disc. Actually, I have, I spent quite a while looking for the original press release. Okay. And I have, I'm not sure if it's the original one, but it's the closest I could get to it. Okay. 
uh, and it says the many rumors regarding the flying disc. The many rumors regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the intelligence office of the 509th Bomb Group of the 8th Air Force Roswell Army Airfield was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of the local ranchers and the sheriff's office of Chavez County. The flying object landed on a ranch near Roswell sometime last week. Not having phone facilities, the rancher stored the disc until such time as he was able to contact the sheriff's office, who in turn notified Major Jesse A. Marcel of the 509th Bomb Group Intelligence Office. Indeed, the man who actually penned that release, Officer Walter Hall, later allegedly wrote a sworn affidavit stating that an egg-shaped craft had been found at the site. The affidavit also states that alien bodies had been recovered. Jesse Marcel, the original Roswell investigator, later talked about the almost supernatural strength of the metals recovered, saying that it was not anything of this earth. Other senior military figures have also spoken out about the incident. For example, General Arthur E. Exxon was reported as saying the overall consensus was that the pieces were from space. White House on down knew that what we had found was not of this world within 24 hours of finding it. There is not one accepted alien narrative of Roswell, with different ufologists having their own take on the exact details and disagreeing on the reliability <laughs> of various eyewitnesses. But what unites all of them is the absolute belief that the weather balloon, Project Mogul story, was bogus and that a crashed spacecraft and possibly even alien bodies were found in July 1947. And there's one last theory which I'd never heard of until recently. Okay. Theory three it was the Russian PSYOP. Oh. A less popular theory is that the Soviet Union was somehow responsible for Roswell. Could it have been a downed spy plane dispatched just as the Cold War was getting into gear? Unlikely such an event would probably have sparked an international incident, similar to the one witnessed in 1960 when an American pilot was shot down while doing aerial reconnaissance in uh, Soviet territory. However, in 2011, US journalist Annie Jacobson published a book that contains what is arguably the most sensational theory of all. Titled Area 51, An Uncensored History of America's Top Secret Military Base, it suggests Soviet forces faked an alien crash at Roswell in the hope of triggering national panic like the one that followed the famous Orson Welles radio version of the War of the Worlds <laughs> in 1938. It is known for a fact that Nazi, Nazi scientists were experimenting with disc-shaped flying apparatus during World War II. And at the end of the war, Nazi scientists and engineers were given safe haven in Russia as long as they worked for Stalin. Theory proposes that Joseph Stalin recruited uh, none other than Joseph Mengele, the infamous SS doctor who performed grotesque experiments on human subjects during World War II. Mengele allegedly created fake aliens to be planted with the fake spacecraft by modifying human beings who were neither aliens nor consenting airmen, but human guinea pigs. So they believe that a saucer-shaped craft like spycraft was built with these mutated human beings yeah. inside, flown over and crashed purposefully mm. there near the airbase. Freak out America. To freak out America. Apparently, Stalin's POV was, right, we may not have nu nuclear weapons like you, but we do have psychological 
we do have warfare. a huge supply of uh, of people that we can mutilate and launch disc shaped spy planes. I've never heard of that one before, but I like it. <laughs> you would. I'm do. like that. Could be true. Which of these three theories do you believe is probably the truth? I personally believe it was the UFO. Yeah. Because I feel I feel like I've got like a basic timeline. I won't go over it because it's a basic topic. But like, oh, you can do your timeline. Well, it's like so on the July the fourth, the rancher picks up the debris. He then takes it on the seventh. The sheriff. Um, that, there's that famous takes, picture of the sheriff posing yeah. with supposed to be debris from yeah this, which this is clearly does like it doesn't look like anything that you'd go that's ufo no yeah. i watched a roswell documentary this morning oh, did you? <laughs> yeah <laughs> just to make sure that i was like in the zone but it's like it, the information it, it, they're really like passing it back and forward back and forward mm. and it's like they originally they're like oh it's ufo and oh, then it seems like UFO. other people get involved after it's already been announced and they're like Take it all back. Don't, you know, Don't we say can't that. say Retract that. that statement immediately. And I feel like if it had just stopped at that point, people would have gone, it's a weather balloon. But the fact that yeah. it then keeps going on and... Um, well, they showed footage of the stuff they found and the stuff they found was 50-50, whether it could be of this earth or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they also showed footage of uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jesse Marcel with certain bits yeah. that he claims... Had hieroglyphics on, yes, and they showed the hieroglyphics, and they don't look any. They don't look to my eye. Not I'm not a professor of hieroglyphics <laughs> or petroglyphs e- or any Egyptology. Not a strong point of yours, but they looked. They didn't look like Egyptian ones I've seen before. Yeah. They don't look like anything I've seen before. They looked almost alien. The thing is, as well, we've we mentioned in in the last episode that we did about the hieroglyphics and the possibility of aliens and all that lot as well. So yeah. maybe it is all still linked. A pictorial, it's been argued that pictorial language would be easier for different species to yeah. use to communicate with each other because they rep, the, you know, they represent certain things. It's why you have like signposts in buildings, you know, fire, person yeah. running, stairs. Yeah. You know that that means that's a fire exit down those stairs. Yeah. Because the, the, you can look at the pictures and piece them together. It doesn't matter where you're from. You yeah. Know what if it you wrote means. that in fucking Japanese kanji, yeah. I'd have no idea what it no. said. But you put it in those pictorial form, and I, my my monkey brain can piece the words together yeah. out of the pictures. Um, on a personal level, I've been, as I said, I've been fascinated with Roswell since I was a kid, and I do believe there's something nefarious going on there. Yeah. I do believe it is. Probably UFO related, but whether or not you can take my belief as like you know, <laughs> fact, indication. <laughs> in, in, any indication is is kind of it's not like because I've been fascinated with it so long. Yeah, I think deep down I want it to be you true. Want, yeah. You want to believe. In this case, I think I want it to be true because. Yeah. But I think that the evidence, again, like things are embellished and things are yeah. you know because it's getting passed back and forward and people are putting their opinions in on it as they're yeah it could you know some of the evidence that we've looked at or things we've read about might not be true but i just i find that there's too many accounts of people going 
this isn't normal. This isn't a weather balloon. The materials yeah. aren't like um, where is it? Um, I've got a quote from Jesse Marcel, which is I think from the same thing that you said, um, like the same interview. And he said about the material that he said, it felt like you had nothing in your hands. It wasn't any thicker than the foil out of a pack of cigarettes. But the thing about it that got me was that you couldn't even bend it. You couldn't dent it. Even a sledgehammer would bounce off it. I knew that I had never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And it's like, although you might not have seen a weather balloon or a UFO before, you know, basic materials. Yeah. Like, and if I picked up something and I was like, this doesn't feel like aluminium or yeah general you know especially if they were testing it i i oh. don't think this was ufos okay i'm not convinced it was it was aliens uaps as we're supposed to yeah. call them now um i don't believe that i think this i i believe in in extraterrestrials i believe that they have visited us at myself as a fucking lunatic now <laughs> i believe that i don't believe they did it in roswell in 19, whatever it was, 1947. What other people, talking of the materials, other people have been quoted as saying some of the materials were like foil, but you could scrunch them up and then they would just bounce back. Bounce, bounce back. back into but you couldn't the, break them. Yeah. I think this was a test. I think this was, some, I think it was probably linked to Project Mogul. Yeah. Um, and it was using extraterrestrial materials. So although I don't believe this was aliens, I believe like they were using material. alien materials oh. in some kind of test craft that they lost control of. It crashed and was then found by the rancher, yeah. which is why you get the conflicting reports. Okay, so why would the military put out already saying there was a flying saucer if there wasn't some truth to this? Now, the answer to that question could be what you just said, which yeah. is like they had alien technology. Yeah, they're covering but this something. technically wasn't alien. So they did find something not of this earth. Yeah. But it was actually built. It was actually built by, by the us. US government. Yeah. Do you okay. believe that there was. Because obviously there's some rumors, some stories of people saying there were aliens found and that some people have said that they saw them. I don't believe that either. Because I know that they said, that, being, uh, yeah, no, for no. the believer in the group, I'm being, I'm very skeptical about. I think that's the thing. It's such a complicated situation. Oh, absolutely, it's, it is hard to get your head around it. And, and every time you think you've discovered all you need to know, yeah, someone says, "Ah, well, in this book here, they it, said." And even in your own mind, like I'll go CFOs and I'm like, "What is it?" But the thing is, as well, is like they said that they were using crash test dummies and that they might have mistaken it. That. See, but that would make sense. But, that fits into my theory. But they weren't used until the 50s. Yeah, but arguably, you know, I'm trying to, try to frame this in a way that doesn't make me sound like some crackpot conspiracy theorist. You, go, I, you do you. We're, I, all, we're, we're all going to have our moments where the others are like... I assure everyone that I'm not a crackpot conspiracy theorist. That's Reggie. <laughs> I think by the time we wrap up this podcast at the end of its... It's run. It's run. We're all going to sound like we're all going to sound yes. like we're all going to have theories that the others <laughs> so are like. So we might as well mad. just dive in there yeah. now. I, I I ascribe to the belief that uh, the governments of the world have m more advanced technology than we know they have. Yeah. You know, I, AI I agree is, with that. AI is a prime example. If we've got AI that can do what we see commercially available to Joe Public, yeah, and that that's what safe has to been release. developed behind closed doors with with. 
you know, black department money. Okay. So do you believe Stalin and the Nazi scientists were capable of creating a flyer saucer, flying saucer-esque ship and crashing it in the desert in 1947? Absolutely not. <laughs> Bearing in mind that Nevada is more West Coast. Yeah. Like I could understand that they may possibly be able to get this new flying contraption to crash somewhere on the East Coast, to cross the Atlantic. But yeah. Cross the entire Crash it country. somewhere in upstate New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But going the wrong way yeah i don't i didn't think but, i didn't think they'd detect all the resources no. at that point i time. did see pictures in this documentary of these flying saucer shaped oh i don't believe craft, they built them but I'm how not... did they get them to the far yeah, side of the world without anybody spotting it yeah. right like, what you gotta remember is this isn't like crashed in this isn't crashed like just down the road from us it's this isn't crashed specific. in epping forest yeah this is crashed basically next door to an active air force base yeah so anything flying over or anywhere near it they're gonna see it they're gonna track yeah. it or anything terrestrial in origin the thing is they in that year yeah, they would they definitely would have known by like um radar and stuff that they're absolutely this is 1947 you know they 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 weren't exactly slouches this is on the tail end of world war Two. yeah uh the US was still smarting from Pearl Harbor. Yeah. So they were they were kind of on the lookout for, for stuff like this. The Cold War was was in its early stages and was gearing up sort of thing. So they were they were they would would have spotted something like that, I think, coming all the bloody way from Russia. Well it's like um in nineteen forty seven, so before this or the same year of this, mm. there were um three hundred claims of UFO sightings in that. Oh yeah, which could be a combination of people going like airplanes, you're an air force base, war stuff. People were like, a lot more prone to looking at the sky the more, for, for when, threats then than the they are is, now. Well, when when say you've got thirty reports, people are more likely to be like, oh, I'll keep a, oh, keep a people look at. Yeah, I've seen in the local local rag they've yeah. been talking about this UFO flying. The thing is, overhead, in nineteen forty-seven, how much would they have known about weather balloons? airplanes yeah like because i don't know much about airplanes but i could look up and go that's an that's airplane. an airplane because i see it all the time and i see things i know how like you, we, you, we live you, under you, a flight path for a major can, international airport yeah, we, we can't help but see them it's so easy to look something up even like if some if something went over and someone said that's a weather balloon you, yeah. could, you could take five minutes look online look up, does it look, weather like weather look like yeah whereas back then they'd they, they might say okay that's a weather balloon and then you tell someone else, you describe it to them, and they go, oh, no, that's not web That's not web And then that the information gets muddled, yeah. gets confused. Uh, outside of learning about UFOs and stuff, I have no idea what a web balloon is. No. I still don't really know well, what they do. Wasn't there that balloon boy? The boy that drifted off in a web balloon? Well, claimed he Claim, drifted yeah, off he was in, in a web balloon. He was actually hiding, yeah, he was actually hiding in the but, lot. Yeah, that's, that's the first time I ever heard about one. I only heard about them as a kid. But I wouldn't know the, the Roswell incident and yeah. people saying, "No, no, no, it's not a UFO. It's 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 a weather balloon." Yeah, if it's one went gas. over, I wouldn't be hundred percent sure that was a weather balloon. I just assume it's one of those Chinese lanterns. <laughs> Whether it's extraterrestrial or not, something nefarious is going on at Area Fifty One. Right? Oh God, yeah. So there's a there's a lot. God, of shit you sound like a child. He's recently discovered Area Fifty One. Okay. And the SCP Foundation and the back rooms. So he is now convinced that there are places in the world where sinister stuff is going on. He actively looks on Google Maps to find strange things. Oh, yeah. He will go on Google Maps and be searching for strange stuff. He'll see stuff mentioned in a YouTube video and he'll go on Google Maps and he's he's searching it out. Ladies and gentlemen listening, these two seem surprised at this, but we're not. (laughs) 
<laughs> he is their child. He is, I mean, yeah. Okay, what do you think it is that makes Roswell such an enduring, fascinating part of the cultural zeitgeist? It was the first report like this. It, it happened at the right time, in the right place, that it blew up. Yeah. yeah. Because nothing like this had really been widely reported before. This happened, and then you had an official military thing come out and say, this is a UFO. And everyone went, oh, my God, UFOs! And within 24 hours, I know that I can't remember the chap's name. I've got it written down here somewhere, who uh, was head of the local radio station yeah. and put out the notifica- notification yeah. initially on the wireless. Within 24 hours, he was getting calls from, like, all over the US constantly, yeah. just hammering him for more information. And he was like, I don't have any more information. I th- I and when, obviously it's... when the Air Force got hold of that, they put out their retraction the day after. I think as well the fact that it kept going back and forward. More and more people were getting involved, so more and more people were talking about it. Yeah. Then there was the whole thing where they were like, okay, there was a cover-up, but it's not a cover-up of a UFO. Yeah. And then the fact that it all died down and then matey started interviewing people again got all these recounts from people who all kind of there was a lot of them that said yeah. that wasn't from earth that was something different so it keeps getting brought back up i think if you look culturally and, and socially as well at that point in time we're, we're sort of what two three years post-war at this point um that had been the focus less so for the u.s but for, for a lot of the world, that had been the focus. And then for the latter part of the world, so the US decided to come in, Johnny come lately. Um, and that became a major focus. The whole country was geared up towards winning the war. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of, that stopped basically overnight. Yeah. But you were in a situation where people had communications that they'd never had before. The wireless was suddenly ubiquitous. Yeah. Didn't have phones everywhere, as the, you know, in the case, case with the ranch, but between newspapers and, and radios, news and information was being disseminated like never before. And these people kind of had almost a void there and stuff yeah. like this came in and kind of filled that void. It gave void. them excitement. And it excitement gave them something to focus something on. Something to focus on, exactly. And I think it was just a, a bunch of things came together at the right time and if it hadn't been a UFO here, I think it would have been a UFO somewhere else or a, a ghost ship or something else like that. Do you believe it? It's because it was such a big kind of dent in the culture at the time mm. that not only the people alive then, but people growing up later would kind of hear this story early on in their life, like me, yeah. and it mm. stuck with them and then... There's always a little part of them that's like, oh, yeah, Roswell. I'll watch well. this program. I'll read yeah. that book. Yeah. And so it's continued on. And I think as well they've taken it on themselves to be like, this is Roswell. This is where UFOs, you know, happen. Yeah, this is the got, home of the UFO. Their, they've got all their little, like, lookout points and their shops and all this other stuff. They've made it. They've made it, they've made it themselves. They, yeah. they've, they've kind of taken it on and gone, we're the home of the UFO, basically. Yeah. Finally. Do you think the truth will ever come out? No. What about the Roswell incident? No. I don't think, even if they wanted to at this point, I don't think they really, the people in charge, know exactly what happened. They could probably come out and say, okay, yes, it was actually, duh. Yeah. But if you want the truth of the situation around it, like you said, there's so many people involved. It's been there's back so many and forth. Different report, like official reports. I don't, yeah, I don't official... think there's any one person now that no. can sit down and say this is actually what happened. You know, 
100% truthfully yeah, because I don't think any one person knows. It's like if you look for like an official report of what happened, there's going to be many different ones with different versions of events written yeah. by various different people. Written by different people. I different think the only way that they could come close to finding out what happened is if they can have access to the material, which I think is still, it's probably in Area 51. It's probably locked away somewhere. And get evidence from that material because they're, you know, there's not video footage. There's not. No. Obviously, there's a picture of the weather balloon, which may or may not be fake. Yeah. And there's various people's accounts, but to, to fully know, you'd have to get proof from what we physically from the have. Source, yeah. Even if somebody was to sit down, and even if it was Biden himself was to sit down in the Oval <laughs> Office, do a global, mm. uh, what do they call them? Press release? Press conference. Press conference. And was like, right, this is 100% the truth. There's no half of 50% of the people on this planet are not going to believe Absolutely. it. People, people don't believe anything at face value anymore. Yeah, people I mean, don't trust, rightly so. Yeah. But. Well, it's like, you know, there's been so many yeah, with COVID. I don't want to, you know, people have lost faith in what they're being told. And people don't want to believe. you got half some, the world like, Some believe. people will go, Oh well, I don't like it, so I'm not going to believe it. Yeah, Some people it doesn't just, fit with my beliefs, yeah, my worldview. My so knowledge, I don't believe my, it. And, and I think as well, like it's very hard to trust in people these days. Well, you've got half the world wouldn't believe them if a politician came out and told them it was raining in the middle of a storm. Oh yeah. And you've got the other half of the world who wouldn't believe a doctor if they came out and told them yeah. that it was raining in the middle of a storm. Yeah. So between the two, you're never going to get and, the and whole well, world like, on board. If, for example, Biden came out and said. We've never, ever, ever had a UFO. We've got no proof of it. Then there will still there'll be people that go, well, it's true then. Yeah, I've been saying that. It's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, people are suspicious, and I think we have a lot of we have reason, reason to be, to be yeah. suspicious about anything. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you've enjoyed the inaugural episode <laughs> of Synchronicities. <laughs> and remember, you don't have to be high to indulge in the strangeness. I like that. <laughs> <laughs>